This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle sometime every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. Our challenge today is going to be to hack through all of the information and see what really counts as news. It's been a crazy couple of days, couple of weeks, and we continue today. Lots to talk about politically. Some stuff that's actually substantive going on. We're probably going to divide up the program that way. The first hour, we'll talk about some of the political developments. In the second hour, we'll talk about some of the substance of the news of the week. Big day today. Big day at this moment. I'm missing out on a pretty big deal. So I used to talk a lot more about it. You know, Jordan plays in a hockey league. And um, he plays with a team. And then he practices kind of on the practice squad with a team same age, but a team that is much that is much better. Like they divide up at that age. He's 12 years old at that age. There are some real stratas in how good a player you can be. There are some really good players. And so the leagues do a pretty good job of separating the teams into different stratas. And so his his team played this morning in the playoffs. Um, his what's called a light travel team, and they got shelled. They played a team again uh, from West Point. They lost. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Good, good, uh, good team from up there. But for the first time all season, this other team that he practices with called him up to play with them this afternoon in New Hyde Park. And so he's stepping on the ice right about now. And, um, his mom's with him. She promised to take lots of video. Uh, I don't know how many shifts he's going to get. You know, he's, he's basically at the end of the bench. He's filling in. I'm, I'm sure they had some players that they lost this week. And so. Very exciting day for him. Very, very proud of him. He's really committed himself to hockey and is heartbroken after that first game, but immediately dusted himself off and got ready to play for this other team. And um, I'm really proud of him. And he's got – I mean, part of the challenge that he has is that 
is that his mom and I both, when we were young, or both, still was pretty thin, but we were kind of little runty kids. And um, I remember at his age, when I was already into hockey, I mean, I'd already played hockey for a few years, I was constantly trying to figure out how I was going to get bigger because I was such a little kid. Jordan's a little bit like that too. He's wiry. He's not very heavy. So like in what I chose to do was to get out of the way. I played goal almost since the day I started playing hockey. Jordan is out there playing defense, which usually had some, a rougher position. You get dinged up a little bit, but I'm really proud of him how well he's doing. Um, also today, uh, the United Nations is designated January 27th as the Holocaust Remembrance Day. It is not the same as Yom HaShoah, which happens in May. They just choose different days to commemorate it. This one is the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau. The Yom HaShoah, I believe, is the anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. That's in May. And it's, I mean, look, I'm glad the United Nations has declared this day because there's obviously been this surge of anti-Semitism worldwide. But it is not something that has eluded my notice and probably not yours that the UN's relief agency in Gaza has been found, had been found members of that UN defense, uh, um, UN relief agency who theoretically is providing relief on behalf of the United Nations to Gaza, including taxpayer money that you've allocated, you might know my listener. Um, that they were involved, several employees, they say several, we don't know how many, but they said it might have been 12 employees who were involved in the October 7th attack. So there you go, the United Nations, which is not only an agent well, it's not only an agent of anti-Zionist thought, but also kind of anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, whatever you want to say. The UN is not a friend of Israel. And we're going to be talking about that at 4 o'clock when John Katsimatidis and I, we regain, we retake our corners for left versus right. I guess it's round four in the rumble in the concrete jungle, I think is how we're branding this. And I'm I'm ready this time. I'm not going to get bullied. I'm not going to get pushed around. I'm not going to get shouted down. I'm not going to let the conspiracy theory stand. John, if you're listening, I am ready for you. But I'll be with you until 4 o'clock. WABCradio.com. If you can't hear us on the, on the radio or you just want to bring it, bring us with you, wienerwabc at gmail.com, wienerwabc at gmail.com. And if you want to call 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And Ava's on the board. Kevin is lingering around here somewhere. But I want to – you're going to get to hear Ava's name a lot more. She's going to take a lot more responsibility around here. She's been doing such a great job, so I want to thank her for quarterbacking this deal. So let's talk about some of the news. You know, the first thing is the thing that happened last night. You heard Bob Brown mention it on in the, in the intro. Um, Donald Trump, in the art of the deal, turned a $5 million libel judgment into an $83 million libel judgment. Talk about – I mean, look, it, it was, um, I mean, you've heard a lot of the coverage of it. He was found guilty in a civil suit, sound, well, liable in a civil suit, um, to engaging in rape. And for people to say, oh, he wasn't found guilty of rape. I heard Rudy Giuliani say that. Oh, no, it's just sexual abuse. I'm going to read to you from the jury instructions that described that both sides stipulated to here. The jury and Carol, this is the judge, the judge's charges. Uh, to the jury. Here's what the judge wrote. The jury and Carroll, too, found by preponderance the evidence that, one, Mr. Trump sexually abused Ms. Carroll and injured her in doing so. Two, his conduct was willfully negligent and reckless in doing so, or he acted with a conscious disregard for Ms. Carroll's rights. And three, Ms. Carroll is entitled to compensatory punitive damages for sex abuse 
of $2.02 million. This is the first case. Consequently, the fact that Mr. Trump sexually abused, indeed raped Ms. Carroll, has been conclusively established and is binding in this case. So when you heard Abba and Donald Trump complain, oh, we don't have a chance to defend ourselves, it's because they couldn't relitigate this case. You only get one crack at it. The second case was just about whether or not he had libeled her again even after this case, and the answer was he did. And because he acted with such disregard – well, I'll let a couple of the – I mean, I try to find cuts that were only from Fox News because I didn't, you know, a lot of people sometimes think that, all right, you're just MSNBC, CNN, DNC talking points. This is Fox News. And the first one we're going to hear from is this guy called John Yu. John Yu, if you recognize the name, he was the one that were, he's worked in the Trump administration, worked in the Bush administration. He's a famous conservative guy. He was the guy that came up with the torture memo. Remember that saying it was okay to torture detainees. But anyway, he was on Fox News talking about this case. It's a little over a minute where he kind of breaks down. The problem cut for Ava. The whole point of this, this enormous damage is unprecedented damages now, is to tell Donald Trump to shut up. Right? If, if you could think of this way, every time Donald Trump wants to insult Gene Carroll, he's going to have to write a $40 million check for each sentence. That's how bad this is. Hmm. I, I can't believe his lawyers haven't succeeded in just telling him, look, campaign for president, run for president, make your accusations about a two tier justice system. But leave this alone. Stop attacking people who are no longer public citizens. Stop attacking people where you've already lost and the court has already said what you've done is liable. Because every time he insults her again, he's going to have to cut another 20 to $30 million check. So that's the, that's a, that's a Republican talking to the Republican. And by the way, you know, look, I don't – I'm not a Donald Trump fan, in case you haven't noticed. And I think that he's probably the only guy, if he wins the nomination, that Joe Biden can beat. So let's just put that out there. But if I'm just putting my political consultant hat on, I would say exactly what John, you just said. He says, listen, you've already lost. You're just making it worse for yourself. And then he shows up at the court and does everything to be contemptuous to the jury that's trying to make this decision on how much to charge you for this, how much to punish you. And by the way, this this the lawyering on this thing was so bad by his lawyer. But one of the things they did in this deposition is they said, hey, by the way, Donald, how much are you worth? And Donald, his instinct is to lie about that. As you know, that's the source of the problem in the New York State case. And so he said, my brand is worth at least $10 billion. Well, you know what that did? That then became evidence that the jury could use for, well, how much does it take to make him feel pain? And so all you had to do was to kind of go in there and all you wanted to do if you're Trump and the lawyer is just try to convince this jury that you're not a bad guy, that you respect them and everything else. And Fox News had um, – I think this was Fox News. It might have been CNN. Fox News had a former Trump attorney. Again, I'm just – I'm trying to get people who are on his side to give you some context here because that's what we try to do in the middle. Cut five is a guy named – Tim Parlator, a former attorney for Trump, explaining the problems they had in the courtroom. I do think that in both of these trials, he was essentially undefended. uh, And I think that it could have turned out differently. I mean, in the second trial, uh, unfortunately, because of the way the first trial went, I don't think anybody could have won the second trial. I think that, you know, once the issues were set up from the first trial, second trial was a loser from the beginning. The question is how big of a loser? And this goes back to yeah, you know, a jury is going to come up with a number, and you have to put on the best presentation to them to get them to come to a lower number. Right. 
So that's all that happened yesterday. This was no longer about whether he did it by a preponderance of the evidence, not this was not a criminal case, so it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. Preponderance of the evidence. It was already ruled that that he did these things. And by the way, he didn't show up for the, for that trial. It's already been ruled that he did these things, that the underlying thing, because you can't be held in libel for, in a libel case if you can show the, the things actually that you're telling the truth. So the first thing I had to do is say, is Trump telling the truth about not knowing this woman, not engaging in sexual violence against her? Jury already found that. So they weren't going to go back and relitigate that, right? So all this trial was about is the second time he kept doing it after the first trial, he kept calling her names and kept lying about what happened in the eyes of this of the jury. So all they had to do is go in and just basically be, I don't know, this is a misunderstanding. He's gotten the message. You know, he he regret, you know, some uh, I really respect you, the jury. You're going to get this right. Instead, he gets up in the middle of the ju- of uh, of the trial and walks out. He's talking under, you know, making sounds under hush breath. And his lawyer is 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 going in there saying, uh, you know, kind of doing lawyering, ignoring the rules of lawyering 101. And by the way, if you think, you know, she said, I think it was been Bob Brown's cut at the top of the hour. We're going to have this set aside. Newsflash for you people. It ain't going to be overturned. It's not because, frankly, she didn't do the lawyer didn't do the bare minimum to establish any any rule was broken, anything that that was reversible. I've checked with a couple of lawyers. I ch- checked in with Arthur Idala. Arthur Idala is, a, is a, a, an excellent radio show on another station. Go listen to it. He explains it. And the money, you know where it goes now? It goes into escrow. He has to write the check right now. It sits in escrow while this thing is being on appeal. So you, so what, what haven't you heard in the last 24 hours? In all of the tweets and all of the anger, he hasn't said her name. <laughs> he understands. Maybe he's starting to understand. But I wanted to bring this. I mean, look, this is a thing in, you know, it's Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump. What are you going to do? A, ju- a jury had heard it twice now. Judges, okay, lawyers quitting, all the different things. That's Donald Trump. How much does this really matter to you? 800-848-WABC, 800-848-922. Does it matter to you as an American? But here's how it's manifesting in another part of the political ecosystem, and that is that as I predicted last week, Ron DeSantis is out of the race. As I predicted last year when Ron DeSantis' mania was going on, I said this woke thing ain't going to work. I say Republican voters don't believe in in ridiculing people who are gay and don't say gay and banning books. They don't like that. I knew Ron DeSantis wasn't going anywhere when he was the hottest thing since sliced bread. And I said it turned out to be right. Good for me. But Nikki Haley, just like I said after Iowa, when I said that Donald Trump lost Iowa, because over 50 percent, just barely under 50 percent of the Iowa Republican electorate voted against him. Once again, he wins by 10 points. And I talk about this a little bit on my podcast, The Middle Unplugged, which, by the way, I also tell you who he's going to choose for vice president. So you should go download that. So Nikki Haley loses by only 10 points. That's great. He won 12 delegates. She won seven. Okay. But I want to tell you something. She is not wrong when she explains, when explains what happened. Cut to. 
So we got out there and we did our thing and we said what we had to say. And then Donald Trump got out there and just threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> he pitched a fit. He was, he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened. And he should feel threatened. And, and, and it, for those of you who didn't see the New Hampshire results come in and the speeches they give, they gave. Donald Trump was just calling people names, insulting her. She's not wrong. She is so far under his skin, it's not even funny. But that's the political part of it. But this has real ramifications going forward because what did Nikki Haley show? Show she got about a third of the Republicans. Oh, that's all? Yeah, only about a third of the Republicans. But she swamped him among independents. Now, Democrats don't get to vote. I've heard a couple of people make that mistake on the air here. Democrats don't get to vote in New Hampshire. Independents are allowed to go and register as Republican that day um, and say, I want to I want to get in here. So overwhelmingly, she won moderates, and that has been her line ever since. Cut three. I to say there a moment ago that he was totally unhinged. I, I think that was the, the quote you gave. Um, I, coming out of New Hampshire, he won 74 percent of Republicans. Uh, to date, 109 counties have voted, and you've won two, and one of those by a single vote. Well, when do you start winning Republicans? Well, first of all, I will win Republicans, but guess who else I win? I win moderates, and I win independents, which he does not. That is why he lost in 2018. That's why he lost in 2020. That's why he lost in 2022. And that's why in every poll you see, he loses to Joe Biden, and I win. This is the issue of you can't win a presidential election without moderates and independents. I can get the support of Republicans, moderates and independents. I will do that. She is exactly right. I said it last week. I'll say it again. The people that choose presidents in this country are not Democrats and they are not Republicans. They're independents and people who are more casual voters. And Donald Trump ever since he walked down that escalator, has hemorrhaged those voters. And Nikki Haley saying, look, I'm getting those voters. So all of institutional Republican world is rallying around Donald Trump, closing, don't run, you're all done, Nikki, you're all washed up, you lost by a lot. Uh Uh-uh. I have said, I said it last week, if I have $1 to my name, if I'm Nikki Haley, I hang around. Because who knows what's going to happen with Donald Trump? And I got it, guys. She's not wrong. I mean, just look, just look at the numbers. Just look at the way these results have gone. And if you're a Democrat, forgive me, if you're a Republican, and you want to try to figure out how you start winning elections, something like eight out of the last ten national elections, Democrats said there are more people voting as Democrats than Republicans. But just since Donald Trump. Just since he came, you know, he got crushed in 2018, lost the House and the Senate. In 2020, Joe Biden won by about seven and a half million votes. And people forget this. 2022, when it was supposed to be this red wave, not only was there not a red wave, but in 2022, Democrats got 59 percent in Colorado, purple state, 57 percent in Pennsylvania, a, a, a purple state. 54% in Michigan, a purple state. In, 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 in New Hampshire, the state we just came from, 54% Democrats got. Moderates, when they vote in Donald Trump's party, uh, are, are not voting for Donald Trump's party because of Donald Trump. 
and Nikki Haley showing that. And these are not polls. These are actual elections that are going on. And moderates have turned on the Republican Party. So we'll have more about that, maybe a little bit more making fun of Ron DeSantis. I, I think maybe we should let him go. We'll also take your calls, 800-849-2222. Some more great economic news. We'll touch on that when we come back. It's great to have you along on the middle, taking you to 4 o'clock. And then left versus right with me versus John Katsimatidis. Round four, rumble in the concrete jungle. Doesn't really rhyme. And we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove. My friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Up to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, and the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say, up, jump the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. Well, so far, you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man, Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out. I'm the CA. And welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Wayne and the Sugar Hill Gang joining us there to bring us back in. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I'll be here until 4 o'clock. Then John Katsubatiz comes in for left versus right. We have a little bit of a debate. <clears throat> We're going to do a little more politics. The phone lines are full up with Gene, Eugene Carroll stuff. We can talk about that a little bit more, but there's really not much more to cover. You know, the the... We have a court system to solve these, to solve these things when people make accusations. And that's the way it is. Everyone has, everyone has the right to, to, uh, to appeal to the courts. Just before we move, move on and I take some of those calls, I want to talk a little bit more about like what we've kind of seen in the, in the primary so far. You know, one of the things I've heard a lot of supporters of Donald Trump say is, oh, yes, but there's so much more enthusiasm for Donald Trump than there is for Joe Biden or for Nikki Haley or whatever it is. Well, so far it doesn't seem that way. In 2016, last time there was a busy primary in Iowa, and there were plenty of candidates in Iowa this time, 186,000 people voted. This time there were 110,000. 7% of all registered Republicans turned out and voted for Donald Trump in Iowa. 7. Not 17, not 77. That's a terrible number. I mean, what we're finding out is when people actually turn out and vote, when we don't talk about vibes and we don't talk about feels and we don't talk about you know, a poll when people actually turn out to vote consistently over and over and over again. And the Republican Party, I wonder what what it takes for them to get the lesson. I mean, and even in like 2023, just last year, we had special elections where we had we had referenda 
on on Roe v. on on the, on, on on a woman's right to choose. Democrats are winning over in, a, in, in in we the Democrats won the state of Kentucky governor race in Kentucky. We just flipped a seat in Orlando that had been Republican, a state a state legislative seat. I'm just saying that Nikki Haley might not be the and she's not the best messenger. I don't think she's particularly bright. What if she she decides on this tone to try to finally be aggressive and try to get under Donald Trump's now? Where you been? This has to this should have been your strategy all along to say, listen, the guy's not electable. And she also pointed out all the gaffes he's been making, you know, confusing her for Nancy Pelosi. So it just hasn't been very good. And and I, I the only reason I say this is that if you were to listen to 77 Talk Radio or Fox News and you hear, oh, my God, the 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 knucklehead in the White House, the senile guy in the White House, Hunter Biden, you might not even realize just how badly the Republican Party has been doing. And so at least Nikki Haley is saying, you know what, I'm going to hang around here. And then what does Donald Trump do? He he threatens her supporters. You only got 55 percent in New Hampshire. You're threatening her supporters. You only got 51 percent or whatever, 52 percent in Iowa. You're threatening the supporters of the other candidates. That's just not good politics. It's just not smart. And so do these things go together, the Gene Carroll decision and the Nikki Haley situation? Well, they kind of do. Is that you wonder that, again, not Democrats, not Republicans. Democrats are going to look at Donald Trump. They have Trump derangement syndrome. They never look at him and like him. And there are MAGA people that it literally doesn't matter if he goes to prison. They'll still vote for him. But the people that make decisions on elections, just put yourself in their shoes for one moment. He's insulting an 80-something year, an 80-year-old woman, calling who, who a jury of his peers found him liable for raping her. And rather than just shut up, he insults her and insults her and insults her and goes from owing her $5 million to owing her $83 million. And then Nikki Haley, he beats her 70-30 among Republicans and by 10 points overall. And there's a thing in politics, and it's true in life. Don't let them see you sweat. And rather than stand up there and not even say Nikki Haley's name, if I were Donald Trump. We came to Iowa, we won. We came to New Hampshire, we won. And I'm going to fight for every last one of your votes on to South Carolina. And that's it. Instead, he devotes his whole speech to to yelling about about her, her dress doesn't look nice and, and, and insulting her. And you wonder how independent voters look at this. And do they say, man, that guy, he just does not have good judgment. He's not just – he's not smart. He's not – he doesn't have it together. And if you think you don't have – if you think you have a problem with women and you've seen it, you've got a Supreme Court. He brags about how his Supreme Court took away a constitutional right from half the population. If you think that's not a problem for the Republican Party – you're wrong. And then to compound it by having this type of interaction, if you want to call it that, with women who stand up to him is just not a good look. And I think it translates into losing elections. So did the Gene Carroll thing, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley's not going to be the nominee. It's going to be Donald Trump. And the Gene Carroll thing, he's probably learned his lesson. He's probably never going to tweet about her again. Probably never going to talk about her again. 
because one thing the man cares about is money. And now that he's, he's going to have to write a, a $83 million check that goes into escrow, it's not like he, oh, well, let's wait for a while. And he can't declare bankruptcy. He's already said he's worth $10 billion. Fool. That check gets written. It goes into escrow. They try to bring it on appeal. These things are not going to – it's not going to get overturned. So he's not – so maybe he's learned that lesson. But if if – I think the, the party does have a problem with, with suburban, low-voting – Higher educated women. I mean, you just see it election after election after election. You just can't win elections that way. So 800-84-WABC. Let's do a, I'll do a couple of Gene Carroll calls, but I don't want the whole show to be dominated by it since there's not a, a heck of a lot to add to it. But let's go to Chris in New Jersey. Hey, Chris, thank you for calling. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, you failed to mention that the judge did not allow any cross-examination, did not allow any evidence. Not true. You know, it, not it, true, it's Chris. Absolute, it's an absolute joke. Chris, that didn't happen. Kangaroo. That didn't happen. They had a whole, they had a whole trial. Her, he, he, she called witnesses. She cross-examined witnesses. That's not, absolutely not true. It's not, nah, that's not what I've read. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, that's why you tune into my show to find out what, what, what actually wound up happening. Let's go to Janet in New Jersey. Okay. It is true. I'll tell you why. On your station, she was accused her gynecologist of raping her. She was suing him in the beginning. She also has a cat, and the cat's name is Vagina. And she also said the suit that she was wearing, although she didn't know when it actually happened. I mean, Janet, 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 we have a trial. Janet and Anthony don't get to rule on this. A jury does. And he lost in a jury trial. Stop it with the you know, people calling up a radio station, giving evidence to go into trial as if, oh, well, maybe the, the, the jury forgot to hear it. Come on, please. Jimmy in Staten Island. Go ahead, Jimmy. Hello, Anthony. Hi, All Jimmy. I want to say is about this uh, Carol person. I don't know, and I'll be quite honest with you, I really don't care whether the dress was made yesterday, two days ago, a year ago. All I want to know is if I'm walking down the block and I go into, uh, I don't know, say Sid's pants, and some guy or a girl says, Oh, I grabbed her, I threw her in there, this, that, and whatever. I walk out, she walks out, or they walk out, whatever. And 37 years later, somebody's ringing my phone saying, ha-ha, you're being accused of No, rape. no, you can't do it 37 years away. You can, you can now, you can now, if you've been a victim, you can't go to a criminal case. But, Jimmy, this is called the laws of the United States of America. We have a way to settle these issues. We had them before Donald Trump. We'll have them after Donald Trump. Yes, you, 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 if you, if you sue someone, you take them into court, you bring evidence, the judge gets to rule what evidence goes in, a jury gets to hear it, they make a decision. It's called the United States of America. It's the country I love. I do, too. I love it. But I'm getting scared because everything's disappearing in front of us. That's ridiculous, Jimmy. These are the same laws that were fine for everyone else. The only thing that's disappearing is some special law for Donald Trump that doesn't exist. No, 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 no. Please don't misinterpret me. I didn't say that. I'm just saying everything about our freedoms, our freedom of speech, this, that, what you got to say. Jimmy, Jimmy, hold on a second. Just I want to get this speech thing because that Hobbit knucklehead brought up the speech thing. You do not have a speech right that includes libeling someone. You never did. You do not have a speech right that includes saying, shouting fire in a crowded theater. You never did. You do not have a speech right that includes sharing stock tips uh, when you're an insider trader. You never did. 
this whole idea that you have a right to speak, to defend yourself. Yes, you have a right to defend yourself, but I can't defend myself by making up a story about Jimmy and shouting it over the airwaves. That's not true. That, 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 that impacts his life. These people act like libel laws just happened. Oh, just suddenly we don't have, we have libel laws. It's always existed. It's just the supporters of Donald Trump seem to be under the impression that if their guy gets accused, you tear up the law, the, the law books. If your guy gets accused of fraud, you tear up the law books. If your guy gets accused of, of, of stealing documents he's not supposed to have from the federal government, you tear up the law books. If your guy gets accused of trying to overturn the government, you tear up the law books. If your guy gets accused of, of stealing money from someone, you tear up the law books. No! We don't live in a place that we have laws for everyone else and laws for Donald Trump. Our criminal justice system is the worst in the world, except compared to all the others. I believe in my constitution. I believe in my laws. I believe in my judges. That does not mean that everything is perfect. And I think every decision was right. You're talking to someone who was sent to prison who I don't who shouldn't have been. But I accept responsibility for my part that got me there. And I didn't say this. I didn't say to the court, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Don't you know who I am? I'm Anthony Weiner, host of The Middle. I got a color TV so I can see the Knicks play basketball. Him and talk my checkbook. Could it cost more money than a sucker could ever spend? But I wouldn't give a sucker or a bum from the rock and not a dime till I made it again. Everybody go, oh, tell, move, tell. What you gonna do today? Cause I'm gonna get a fly girl, gonna get some spank and drive off in a death OJ. Everybody go, oh, tell, move, tell. Holiday in. Say if your girl starts acting up. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. So welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That is Mr. Jones counting crows. So I got to, you know, here's who I got to give a special shout out to. You know, there has been some really great news recently for the economy. We all benefit from that. Whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, we just had had data released for the last month. 3.3% growth. That's on top of 4, uh, 4% for the um, for the previous quarter. So the fourth quarter was a great quarter. The third quarter was an excellent quarter. Now the stock market broke another record this week. Things are going well. Some of the best economic news um, that we've had in a while. By the way, some some if, if there is some some clouds on the horizons, a labor shortage, which 
We're going to talk about it in the second hour. We're going to talk a little about the immigration deal and also some things going on at the southern border, catch you up on those things. I'm 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. But I said I wanted to give a special shout-out. You know, there is this tendency in siloed media to not want to say anything good that happens, even if it's a fact, that, uh, that happens on the other side, right? And one of the things I try to do in the middle here is, like, I try to find sources for information that are sources that maybe people who are coming from the right respect a little bit more. Maybe if I say the New York Times said this, they might not respect it. But if I say that, I don't know, the Wall Street Journal or Fox News says it. And someone who's really good about this, one of the, he's a, a partisan guy. He's a guy that worked for Trump, and he's one of the best hosts that we have here. He's on today, Larry Kudlow. But he's an economics guy. He, he, his show is one of the best on the air because he drills into the numbers and he tries to learn from it and tries to, tries to really, you know, give a real assessment. And so all over Fox News this week were people like struggling, um, struggling like on Fox Business. Here's how bad it is. Fox Business. Let's see if you notice anything about this cut. Fox Business. This woman tries to explain how the economy is really not doing as well as you might have heard. So what troubles me about this GDP estimate for the fourth quarter is, number one, it was a holiday quarter. So people are going to push it during the holidays because you don't want to tell your kids there's no presents under the tree. This knucklehead, she's on Fox Business. She doesn't know that for the last 17 years we've adjusted these numbers for seasonal differences like that. <laughs> so we can, you know, I mean, she if she doesn't know better, she surely should know better. But anyway, so there's a lot of that. Even Steve Moore was doing some of it today. God bless him. Another excellent show. Even he's doing a little bit of the way. It's not so great because you have employment that's coming from government. By the way, police officers are government employees. Uh, Border officers are government employees. But putting that aside, so Kudlow is all over Fox News. He's got a radio station show here. And because he's a real – he's an expert on stuff. And he was asked what he thinks is going on. Now, yes, I'm an honest broker. He got a good 3.3% GDP number for the fourth quarter, following a good 4.9% in the third quarter, okay? If I were he, I would be bragging about it, too. And inflation has come down. All's fair in love, war, and politics. Brag when you can. I get it. I've been there. That's exactly right. I mean, it's not that the numbers are being made up. It's things are going well. And it's not a mystery not a mystery why. And I have tried to say this and I said this when inflation was high. And so I'm not I'm not rev- revising it. That you know some of this was we had a disastrous period of covid where there was very low, you know, I keep hearing people say, "Oh my god, gas prices were so low. Um inflation was so low when Trump, it was too low. All of those things were too low when Trump left office. We had lost jobs. People were not spending money. We were we were still coming out of out of COVID. The, the economy was in us. No one was driving anywhere. No one was flying anywhere. So of course all the prices were down. Even I'm going to mention this to John when I debate him at four o'clock. Like to use that as the standard. But even so, we go into we go into COVID. Suddenly. All kinds of distortions start taking place in supply chains. People are not on assembly lines for things that they need. That raises prices. There are, there are like shipping problems and, and all these other types of things start to emerge. And it took a while for us to recover, but we recovered very fast. And to be honest with you, some of the things that we had to do, we didn't have a recession. Some of the things that the Fed had to do was to raise rates. And so that hurt some sectors. There's no doubt about it, but it did succeed. And getting inflation under control. 
But if you're the president of the United States, you get blamed when inflation is high. Biden's, this is Biden's economy. If I had a die, if I asked tomorrow, if I say, Ava, go collect every time one, some politician to be a smart ass said Biden's economy when things were going bad. Well, it's Biden's economy. Things are going better. And I want to give credit to, to Kudlow because, I mean, he, he, he was, he's not, he's been on the other side of this. He's also said when, when things were bad. But he is indeed an honest broker, and I give him a lot of credit for that. So the economy is doing better. Joe Biden, the polls are not not great for Joe Biden, not great for any for anybody. If you're an elected official in the United States of America, the polls are not that not that great. For you. All right, let's go. Let's go back to the calls. Let's go to Eric on Long Island. Hey, Eric, thank you for calling. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that this, uh, this show's great. I look forward to it on Saturdays. And uh give you a little background. I'm 40 years old. I used to be a Republican. I was like a Michael J. Fox, young Republican. <laughs> and uh, I find myself to be more moderate. One of the words that comes up about this election is bewilderment. Um, you know, Donald Trump uh, is going to he's you know, he is who he is. Joe Biden's too old. Um, it, it's tough for me to be a moderate and to look at it. So the one point I wanted to try to make is that I was very, very uh, stuck in my ways as a Republican. And then until I had something happen in my life where Obamacare saved my life. Um, if it wasn't for Obamacare and getting the free health care, I wouldn't be on this planet anymore. And I was a staunchly against it. So my point is, until something affects you, um, until it helps you, you really don't know. And, uh, you know, I hear about all these shoutings about entitlement programs. And, you know, everyone hates paying them until it happens to them. Um, so, you know, just be careful with that and, and how you think. And just let's keep our eyes open this election. Nikki Haley scares me. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley definitely uh, scares me. Uh, she seems like, uh, you know, she seems like an establishment candidate, and but she does um, talk to moderates more. So what do you think about Nikki Haley? Do you think she sticks around in long enough and Trump will hang himself? Well, I appreciate Eric, and I appreciate the the opening sentiment. I I feel that same way too. Um, I I you know I think sometimes when I hear people talk about about people who are dealing with mental illness or people who are dealing with addiction, even I think sometimes around the Hunter Biden case, sometimes I just wish people would have a little bit more empathy. Look, here's what I think about Nikki Haley, and I again I appreciate the call. I I mean, she's not a, a perfect anything, but I think that she is. I think that her experience in foreign affairs has shown that she's got a, a more realistic sense of the dangers of Russia, a more realistic sense of the importance of supporting Israel right now. I think that she's a more establishment candidate. But you know what? After what's going on with the Republican Party, where Ronald Reagan would not recognize this party, I'm not sure establishment is such a terrible thing for the party. I mean, the party needs to get what if someone could tell me, what does this Republican Party stand for? They're anti-law enforcement. They call people who attacked police officers on January 6th. They call them hostages. They're, they don't believe in, in the rule of law. They don't believe, they believe it's okay to, 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 to do just about anything that, that, um, that Donald Trump does they think is, is okay. I mean, a party should ultimately have some philosophy underpinning it. And I think that she is more establishment. I think that's right. Now, from a purely partisan perspective, I think she beats Joe Biden. I'll say that. I, I, th- I think there's the, I think we're a closely divided country, and I think it's a 52-48 under any circumstance. But I think that she doesn't scare moderates 
the way that Donald Trump does. And I think that she is a much more counter to, to Joe Biden on this issue of age. Right now, the last couple of weeks, if you're having an age gaff Olympics, you know, Joe Biden's actually had fewer of them than, than Donald Trump has. But that's not a, that's not a rave. Do I think she stays in? I think eventually she does not. She wants to run in 2028, and I think eventually it gets too hot in the kitchen. But I do think that she's got a little more time before she decides that what to do with South Carolina. If the polls start to close and it looks, it looks like it's going to be a 55-45 or, a, you know, I, I, I think she should stay. And especially if after, after Trump threatened her donors, if her donors start to say, I resent that and I'm going to, I'm going to write a check just to show you, to show you Donald Trump that, that you don't own this party then I think she'll be able to. This is The Middle. I'm with you until 4 o'clock. Then John Katsimatidis comes in for left versus right. We're going to wrap up a little more on, the, on these subjects. And at the top of the hour, we're going to go into what's all the – we actually have some real news going on in immigration. It's great to have you along on this day. Uh, this is a day, the International Day of Holocaust Memorial. Um, hope you are keeping those thoughts in your mind and also all those in Eretz Israel where soon um, Sid Rosenberg will be going next week. So we've got a lot to cover, and we'll see you on the other side. to make change reaching across the aisle to work with both sides before all this happened anthony weir he was fantastic that guy could have been the president this is the middle with anthony weiner but weiner may be my greatest challenge yet he has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me on wabc Welcome back to the middle. Anthony Weiner with you until four o'clock. John Katsimatidis comes in. Then that is the communards. That's what's left over from the Bronski beat. And that voice you heard is Jimmy Somerville. It took me, I don't know, about ten years to realize that Jimmy Somerville was a dude. Since I thought that was a woman's voice. Great song. Um, so we're doing a few more calls at like this, and then we're going to do at the top of the hour. I'm going to clear the board because we're going to talk about immigration. Let's get a few more calls. And first, let's go to Bill in New Jersey. Hey, Bill. It's Phil, but that you're close enough. I apologize, um, Phil. No, no need to apologize. I've been called a lot of four-letter words, so <laughs> that's not the worst one. Um, so uh, you're a really smart guy, and I'm amazed at your intellect. 
And I'm really sorry that you're not a Republican because your ability to spin things uh, is really phenomenal. You do a really great job at that. And there's a lot of people that would buy into what you're saying because you're just so persuasive. But like, for instance, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about thanking Joe Biden for Social Security. Now I'm on Social Security. So you said that because of high inflation, the rate for Social Security went up. And you said, thank you, Joe Biden. Well, that's not a good thing. First off, it's the law. Joe Biden didn't do that. But in 83, Joe Biden voted to tax Social Security for the first time in 50, 60 years. And then I believe 93, he voted again to increase it again. So no, to increase he, in 93, he, he voted to increase the, the right now it's capped, I think, at eighty eight thousand dollars of income. Everything above that is not taxed. And he, he he proposed a lot of people believe this, say that well to do people that get Social Security should have the top amount taxed. That, that, that's what he proposed. No, what I was saying, I was saying the cost of living adjustment to keep up with the rate of inflation. I was being facetious when I say thanks to Joe Biden. Obviously, too much inflation is a bad thing. So you got me there, Phil. Anything else you want to say, though? Yeah, well, back to Social Security. So you said it was good. So if you look at most people on Social Security, it doesn't cover all their expenses. They have to take Correct. money from other places. Correct. Uh, correct. So if let's just use a simple example. Suppose you uh, have $25,000 in Social Security benefits and your expenses are $30,000. You have a $5,000 gap. Right, but, you, but now, you're this, lifted it, off it, of poverty. It's, a, it's an anti-poverty program. It's not supposed to make you wealthy. It's an anti-poverty program. It's supposed to be a retirement program. That's no, it's an anti-poverty. We had about a 30% poverty rate among seniors when it was passed. Uh, thank you, Democrats, for doing that. And by the way, Phil, you ha- you've, ha- you've done this whole riff, and you haven't mentioned that that in every budget um, that Donald Trump presented, he t- he increased the, uh, he cut the Social Security benefits and Medicare benefits. That's terrible. You can't support that, do you? I, I don't know if he did or didn't. Uh-huh. So again, let me finish my little explanation because right, you said ahead. thank you, Joe Biden. So again, so now you're you're five thousand dollars in the hole. Okay, so now you have twenty percent inflation, and just say for lack of argument that Social Security increases twenty percent. So now your bills are thirty six thousand dollars, and you're collecting. Thirty thousand. But Phil, hey, we're, 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 no, I understand. We're we're bumping up against the break. I, I I get I get what you're saying. Inflation is bad. True. Now inflation is down close to the targets for the Fed, and Joe Biden is the president. He did that. That's all I'm saying. I'm 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 looking. Was inflation bad? I explained all the reasons why inflation was high. I explained all the reasons that it's come down. Now all I'm saying is that you the same callers that called up and said Bidenomics stinks should not be sitting on uh, on their butts right now, should be calling up and saying like Cudlow did. He says, all right, things are going going pretty well right now. I mean, that's the point I'm making is that we, you know, I mean, listen, you know, Phil did a little bit of a left-handed compliment that, you know, I'm good at spinning. All right, perhaps, uh, but, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring some, some sense to this conversation that you can't blame the incumbent for something and then not reward him when he does the opposite thing. That's the way politics is supposed to work. You're supposed to reward the guy for doing what you like. And I think voters are going to reward Joe Biden because the economy is going to be pretty good when they're voting. Does that mean you can't scroll through history and say, well, wait a minute. Back before we voted a while ago, it was worse. Yeah, OK. I tell you what they are. They might remember. They might remember Donald Trump's handling of covid. They might remember the fact that we lost more jobs under Donald Trump than we did under Herbert Hoover. That they might remember. And we'll be right back for our number two of the middle. 
It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. To the middle. That's the cure. Bring us in for hour number two. We're going to switch gears a little bit now. I'm going to be here until four o'clock. Eight hundred eight four WABC. At four o'clock, John Katzimatidis comes in, and we we have another of our tilts, left versus right, where we really go at it. I am ready this time, and we have a lot to cover, including a lot about immigration. And let me catch you up on where we are this week. By the way, my email is wienerwabc at gmail WienerWABC at gmail.com. Ava is on the board. And um, so let me just catch you up on where we are. So we have a problem with immigration in this country. The flows of immigration coming to our southern border are historic for a lot of reasons. They're historic because – I mean they're, they're very high because of a lot of destabilization that happened around inflation – around efforts that we did as a country to destabilize Venezuela, for example, because we didn't like their socialist government. Our immigration laws are creating a bottleneck at the southern border because the only way that legal immigration can happen now is through the asylum laws, which mean that anyone who comes to the United States, sets foot on U.S. soil, can ask for asylum, and then they get a hearing. But rather than having a hearing quickly since there's such a backlog – They're here for years. Those are the people that are coming here to New York. The so-called migrant crisis is mostly those people. And that's because, as I've explained on on this show before, every so often we need to update the immigration laws to take advantage of whatever situation that we have. Like it might be that, okay, we need a lot of workers in one particular sector, and it's usually agriculture. Um, and or we might want to have a temporary worker program. We want to have workers that attract technology workers. It's all kinds of different things. It changes year by year. And so every so often, Democrats and Republicans sit down with their different agendas and they work out a big immigration reform bill. One of the first things that when I was working for Chuck Schumer as an intern in the 1980s that I got a chance to watch was him work a little bit on the legal immigration bill. At that time, Tip O'Neill was the speaker. Ronald Reagan was in the White House. Howard Baker was the majority leader in the Senate. I don't really remember that. Anyway, so the laws need to be updated, but it's a mess. It's a complete mess because people are pouring over the, the – more people are being arrested at the border than ever before, more than under Trump. More people are being captured that are on the terrorist watch list, more than under Trump. More people are being expelled, more than under Trump. But all of those things, it's a little bit deceptive because it's more than under Trump because more people are coming than under Trump. 
we've got a real problem. And as I've said before, the solution to the problem is to update the laws. Like when people say close the border, well, there's not a real, there's not a law, there's not a close the border law. When people say make them apply at their home embassy, well, that's not the law. When people say the, you know, when people say, you know, don't let them, you know, shoot them on sight, like that knucklehead DeSantis said, you know, they're not allowed to do that. So the more serious members in Washington, the people who represent us, who we pay their bills so that they can solve problems for us, have been trying to resolve this. And it's gotten new urgency because many Republicans have said, I don't want to do the two bills that people want to do, aid to Israel, aid to Ukraine, unless you do immigration reform also. And and Joe Biden has said, yes. <laughs> so he sent a bill up that had more more officers at the border, had more um, – had more hearing officers, had more um, machines to track fentanyl in the panels of trucks. And the Republicans said, we won't even vote for that. We won't even put that up for a vote. But the Senate, Chris Murphy of Connecticut, Lankford of, of Oklahoma, Republican, and Cinema, independent from Arizona, have been negotiating with the White House and with their colleagues to try to come up with a fix. And I think soon they're going to have a really strong bipartisan immigration law. Now, I say it's bipartisan because if you want to get it passed with a Democratic House and a Democratic president and a Republican House of Representatives, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, a Democratic Senate, a Democratic White House, and a Republican House of Representatives, you need to be bipartisan. That's just the laws of economic, of economic, of political gravity. That's what you have to do. And so they're in the process now of coming up with this deal, and even people like Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, you all know I'm not a Lindsey Graham guy, and others have said this is looking like one of the strongest new laws that has been passed in a while. And Democrats, some Democrats are not happy about it. Some Republicans are not happy about it. That's the way compromise is. Compromise is tough like that. But here it is. I have been saying for months to anyone that will listen, and if you're a regular listener to the middle, you've heard me say this for months. This is not hard to solve in terms of coming up with a compromise. If the Republicans, however, just want the issue and they don't want to solve it, then it becomes hard to do. Then it becomes difficult because if you just want to talk about it, you don't want to fix it. And that's what I've long suspected was going on. And then lo and behold, this week, that starts to emerge. Cut six. But I found very interesting reporting we're getting today that Donald Trump and his allies are pressuring Republicans in Congress not to come to some sort of compromise on the border and immigration. We actually know that they're getting pretty close. Senators from both parties are working very hard here. Yesterday, Mitch McConnell told the Republican caucus that they're in a tough position because Trump doesn't actually want Biden to be able to, quote, get a win on this by signing something, even though signing that piece of bipartisan legislation would help with the border. So that's Fox News, by the way. Again, I'm trying to make it, make it hard for you to say I'm trying to slant things. That's the reports. That's everywhere. You might have all, you might have heard that. That now that, that this is getting close to getting done, Donald Trump is working the phone saying, don't do this. Why? Because it's going to give Joe Biden an accomplishment. I mean, we have elections. We have, oh God, it seems like we're constantly doing elections, but at a certain point, you've got to govern. And so, the, these Republicans, Republicans, conservative Republicans, how conservative? This first voice you're going to hear is Senator Young of Indiana. The second voice is going to be, I think, Mitt Romney, 
This is from CNN. They're interviewing these guys in the hallway. I think James Langford's been working uh, very hard to secure the southern border uh, to give the next president, whomever it is, uh, more authority so that we can secure the southern border. So anything that interrupts that negotiation, uh, I think, would be tragic. I hope no one is is trying to uh, take this away for campaign purposes. Do you think this is what he wants, the issue, Donald Trump? This is why he's doing it? I think, I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is uh, is really appalling. It's appalling, but it's what's happening. And you and it, I mean, let's that's what's going on. You can't say you want to lead the country, but you want to fall apart before you get there. I mean, can we this is the problem. This is the problem. And the problem is also that the House of Representatives, many of the Republicans there, and I, again, tell me if you've heard me say this before. They, a lot of them came to Washington not because they wanted to do things, just because they wanted to get more clicks and they wanted to be popular and they wanted to give speeches. Well, now this is a tough issue. You've got to sit down and actually work on it a little bit. And I hope that, that, that folks in this listen audience, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, who want to blame Eric Adams or want to blame Joe Biden, who want to blame AOC or whoever. You've got to realize that they're on the verge of doing something to try to solve this problem. We sent them there to pass laws to solve problems that we're having, and that's where. So if you say we don't want these asylees to come in, well, this is what what's involved. And you might be wondering, okay, so what is in this, in this compromise? Now, we haven't seen... We haven't seen all of it yet. We haven't seen any of it, to be honest. We haven't seen anything written on paper yet. But it basically gives the authority to the president, to President Trump, if he gets elected, to President Biden, to do what everyone says. You know how when people say, you know, Curtis would say, it, close the border. And I would say, you know, there's not a door. You don't just close the border. But there is authority under the law in some circumstances to stop you from coming in. For example, Title 42 gave that authority. Now, it's a health law. If you declare a health emergency under the health laws, you are you then have abilities to shut down the air flights and things like that. But right now, there's no health emergency. There's no authority for the president to, quote unquote, shut down the border. Congress has to give them that authority. And yesterday, Joe Biden said, if you give me the authority, I will do it. Now, it's hard to to shut down anything, but it, but it, at least it gives them the authority and then to and. It said they're going to speed up, try to speed up the asylum process so that someone who comes here saying that they want to grant asylum, a grant of asylum, which is what our country has always stood for, you have a hearing quickly. If you heard that before, that's the Anthony Weiner plan to put a whole bunch of trailers at the border and have hearings within weeks rather than within years. Um, that if, if, if too many people surge over the course of a time, he can shut down the border. The asylum process will be expedited, all these different, these different things. Basically giving the president the tools that I would think many people in this list audience would like him to have. Now, does it have everything that everyone likes in it? I bet you when it comes out, there are going to be people that find things that they don't like in it. But if what you don't like in it is that it's under Joe Biden, that's not the way this works. We have one president at a time. And if we want him to solve a problem, Let's do it. And I want to say something else. It's getting very desperate in Ukraine. They are now shooting down 
one in ten incoming missiles because they don't have the batteries for their anti-aircraft um, and their anti-ballistic missile systems. They're running out of bullets. We're missing this chance. It's getting desperate. It's getting desperate. And we have to do it. And Israel needs the aid now as well. And so does Taiwan. So let's hope. Let's hope that the adults prevail in Washington. And that they say, they say to their candidate, look, these are tools that are going to benefit you, Donald Trump, if you get elected. This is the strong, and that's what, like, that's what Lindsey Graham said. Lindsey Graham said, I don't have that quote, I don't think. Lindsey Graham said, by the way, and it's not just, it's not just Young, it's not just Romney. Who else has talked about this? Here's Senator Tillis. Where's Tillis from? This is the South somewhere. He says, this is his quote. It's all about politics and not having the courage to respectfully disagree with President Trump. I didn't come here to have a president as a boss or a candidate as a boss. That's Tillis of, where is Tillis from? So we have one president at a time. And while this is going on, something truly crazy is going on at the southern border in the state of Texas. You've got the governor of the state of Texas who has the National Guard, and they're called the National Guard because they're under the control of the various states. We have them here in the state on basically uh, – uh, but can be activated by the national government at any time. It's kind of a branch, a state militia branch of the federal defense system, whatever it is. So it is a long-established precedent in the in the United States of America. There's something called the supremacy, the supremacy clause of the Constitution of the United States of America – it says that federal law shall be the supreme law of the land and judges in every state shall be bound thereby. The supremacy of the national power in the general field of foreign affairs, including power over immigration, naturalization and deportation, is made clear by the Constitution. So this guy Abbott, who's doing politics, God bless him, I used to be a politician, is doing politics, says I'm going to send the National Guard in and I'm going to set up all this razor wire down on the southern border and I'm going to start arresting people that come over. Okay, they're doing immigration laws. You're not allowed to do that. There's a law. There's a constitutional thing. There are judgments. It's been going on for a while. 2012, it was reasserted. Okay. But the crazy thing about this is that Abbott's na- putting his National Guard and telling ICE officers they can't get access to the border. They're putting the razor wire to stop the ICE officers from getting access to immigrants crossing over, to migrants crossing over. So the Supreme Court heard this case and said, no, you can't do that. And so for all these people who are like, oh, we should support ICE and we don't like Tom Swazi because he didn't like ICE and we don't like I – was, I, was, I was talking to Curtis about this the other day and I don't like Andrew Cuomo because he didn't like ICE. Now Governor Abbott in Texas is saying I'm not going to let ICE officers – and not only is that, the Supreme Court has ruled about this and they don't seem to be budging. Well, here's an option. Joe Biden tomorrow can nationalize the, the, the Texas National Guard. Nationalize them, say, take out this razor wire. It's keeping our officers from doing their job. And then hand them back over to Texas. But it's kind of bizarre. I mean, there's so much, so much politics over substance that go, that's going on. I mean, you're the governor of the state of Texas. You know the Constitution. You're a border state. A border state is doing very well, by the way. Thank you, Joe Biden. They're like a 12% economic growth. They're, they're doing 
They're doing great. Maybe it's because of all that migration they've been getting. But getting back to immigration, I mean, there are the serious people. There are the people like Langford of Oklahoma, who I don't agree with on anything. Murphy Cinema, who I dislike, and I hope that she's no longer a member of the Senate after this term. But they're trying to do, they're trying to legislate. And that's what the Senate is doing. You've read these Republican senators saying, you know, you may not like the specifics of the bill, but to say don't do it because it's going to help Joe Biden, that's not America. That's not America. I mean, Joe, when Donald Trump wanted to do the First Step Act, you know, Democrats have worked with him on it. You know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And it shows you a little bit about Donald Trump and his love of our country. He says, don't improve the, our country right now. Don't improve until I get. And this is a guy who also said, I hope the stock market crashes under Joe Biden. We've got to understand that now is a time that we need adults standing up and making tough decisions, compromising. There's only three types of people in Washington right now. There are people that say, it's my way or the highway. There's people that say, I am willing to, 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 to compromise. Or there are people saying, I quit. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> I mean, those are the three groups right now. And there are a lot in that third category. The longtime legislators are like, I don't mind. I'm not getting anything done here. I'm going home. But I'm sticking around. I'm here for another 45 minutes or so. And then at the top of the hour, John Katsimatis comes in for left versus right. we got a lot to talk about. I also want to ask him about the decision to send Sid Rosenberg, the number one Jew here at the station, I'm 1A, to the Holy Land. He's going to be broadcasting from there all next week. I'm looking forward to that. But he and I are going to have a lot to go around around there between the stuff going on with immigration, the stuff going on in Israel. There's a lot for us to debate. That's round four of the Rumble in the Concrete Jungle. But up to that until 4 o'clock, it's me, Anthony Weiner in the middle. We'll take your calls, 800-848-WABC, and we'll see you on the other side. across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
And welcome back to the middle. We're here until 4 o'clock. And John Katsopinis comes in for a battle in the concrete. I can't, I don't know, what are we calling it? We're so combative. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why we've been yelling at each other so much. WABC is my email address, WienerWABC at gmail.com, 800-84-WABC. So we're talking about immigration and um, the two stories. One is this kind of weird sideshow that's going on in Texas with Governor Abbott trying to make a name for himself and um, the one, the serious one that's going on in Washington. So let's go to let's go to some some calls here. Let's go to Al and Yonkers. Hey, Al. Good afternoon, Congressman. Uh, you know, Congressman, I agree with uh, Governor Abbott and uh, President Trump, former President Trump, that this immigration problem is not sustainable. But when it comes to states' rights, like uh, what Governor Abbott is doing, and if it came down to a showdown with the federal government, uh, history does show, unfortunately, that the federal government will usually have the upper hand. Uh, we saw that in the civil rights movement in 1957 with the Little Rock Nine trying to enter uh, Central High School. And again, we saw that in 63 with uh, the University of Alabama and uh, Governor Wallace when federal troops were sent in. What is the state's rights issue you think there is here? What is the state right that he's enforcing? Well, I think he's basically, he, that's why he put up the barbed wire, because he feels that, uh, which a lot of Americans see, that the federal government in the last three years has ignored the problem. And the right, but what is the – but but it's, it's even if you think someone has ignored a problem, it doesn't give you the right to make it a state's rights law. The state's right – there's not a the, – the, there is – the problem is, Alan, I don't know what side you are on. I'm on the side of the Constitution. The Constitution didn't ask in this vague sense. They said it shall be the supreme law of the land, the federal law, and the judges of every state shall be bound thereby. And it's been interpreted to include immigration laws – only about 15 times in our nation's history. In 2012, it was enforced again. And then just last week, the Supreme Court reaffirmed that immigration law is not for the states. It, to me, there is no substantive argument for uh, for for Texas doing what they're doing. I mean, make the argument for me. No, I just wanted to say uh, basically what's going on. If it came to – I was just making the analogy. If it came down to a showdown, that history – and this has occurred in the civil rights movement. You know, that the, the the president had to act, and they sent in federal troops. Again, we saw that in 57 and in 63. Right, one but, 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 no, but, but, one Democrat. I know, but, but, Al, you start, now, yeah, I, that's right. I mean, obviously, this, this is the National Guard. These people can be working for Joe Biden tomorrow if he just uh, does a stroke of the pen. But you started out by saying that you agree with Trump and Abbott, and I'm more interested in that. Where do you see anywhere in the Constitution that it's a state right to enforce immigration laws. My point is that, you know, it's just we see what's happened in New York City and, uh, you know, the uh, the problem in uh, Chicago. Uh, the country is just getting overwhelmed. Yes, I understand that's that. Right. But but that's not the issue is not the problem. The issue is this solution. And I thought you, you implied Thank you for calling out. You always bring a lot. I, th- I thought that that the implication was that. You thought that Abbott was doing the right the, the right thing here. Let's go to George in New York City. Hey, George. Are you with us, George? Or we lose you. Something called 
yes. the first country of arrival, no. you know, whereby anyone seeking refugee status, you know, due to political persecution and uh, is in danger of returning uh, to their original countries, you know, uh, they have to first apply uh, where they arrive uh, first and foremost. No, no, we, we don't we don't we don't have any we don't have any any he. The president can try to do that by executive order or by rule that was struck down by the courts because Congress has to make that change. That's not the law. No, no, the law. That's an international refugee law. Well, that doesn't matter. We're not governed by international refugee law. The laws of the United States of America govern our laws of asylum. We Every law, every country gets to – look, is it – the UN or whoever it is says you've got to take in asylees. Yes, I mean people say that, but our laws are what govern our immigration status. And I've heard people say this before, George. Maybe you've you've heard someone say it that asylum seekers are required to go to the first country they pass through and apply there or something like that. That's not the law. Here's the law in the United States of America as we sit here on January 27, 2024. The law is that any person in the United States on U.S. land or on their way if they're out on the water, can request asylum, and once they do, they are here lawfully until they have a hearing. That's the law. If you want to change it and say, well, you've got to go to some office in in that we set up in, in our embassy in Mexico, okay, you can make that change then, but that's not the law right now. Hey, you're wrong. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, George, I'll tell you why. George, I can read I'm, you the statute. I've got it here somewhere. On. Because you keep interrupting and not letting me finish. I apologize. Saying. Okay, it's all right. But let me tell you exactly what I'm saying. There is indeed an international law, right, whereby anyone seeking political asylum or refugee status must apply in the country of arrival, the first country of arrival, and 89-90% of them who are ending up in the United States illegally, they must uh, apply, they should have applied in Mexico. All right, well, George, George, now I'm going to interrupt you because you chide me for interrupting you, and then you repeat the same thing that I just responded to. If you're going to say, don't interrupt me, I'm not finished, you can't go back and say the same exact thing that I just responded to. Whatever international law you may or may not think exists, it does not change the laws of the United States of America. And the United States of America has an asylum law. The asylum law states as follows. And I don't have the exact – I left it here, posted here because so many of our, our hosts had it wrong. It says anyone in the United States, anywhere in the United States – Anywhere in the United States, whether at the border, out uh, out in international waters, in, in our waters, they can request asylum here in the United States. If you want to change that law, I don't know what international law you think you're referring to. We don't have an international court that we're going to go in. They're not negotiating that. We're negotiating the laws of the United States of America, George. And the laws of the United States of America do not require anyone to go anywhere else. Once you're in the United States, you're here lawfully if you request asylum. And the overwhelming number of people that are coming here to New York as part of this asylum crisis have a piece of paper in their hands saying that they have dutifully gone to a a border officer and says, I request asylum. That's the law. Good grief. I mean, George, don't lecture me and interrupting and then go back and repeating what I'm responding to. And do we have time for one more? Let's go to a break, and then we'll get Robert when we come back. It's the middle. We're talking immigration, and we'll see you on the other side.
It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along here on 77 WABC Radio, the best talk and opinion in the nation. We also do news and we do music later with Vinny Badunia. And also we do apparently MMA because at four o'clock, John Katsimatidis and I are doing a another edition of our Left versus Right, an exchange, a spirited exchange of ideas. And then I see the social media team at here at ABC, he says, call it The Fight, capital T, capital F, settle down. First of all, he's not in my weight class. He's my boss. And he is saddled with unpo- with un- impossible positions to defend. It's tough being on the right nowadays. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just taunting. That's another thing they do in The Fight. We taunt each other. All right, let's go back to it. But before I do, you know, I said I was going to look at Title Eight, U.S. Code Title Eight. Section 1158, period, asylum. Authority to apply for asylum, A. One, in general, any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, parentheses, whether or not at a designated port of arrival, and including an alien who is brought to the United States after having been interdicted in international or U.S. waters, close parentheses, irrespective of such alien status, may apply for asylum in accordance with this section. I mean, we don't have – if you want to change that, if you want to make it so that you cannot request asylum in the United States, you can change it. You can change it. You change it with a law, and that's what they're trying to do now in Washington. There are going to be changes to the asylum law. There have to be if you're going to solve this problem because too many people are coming here to try to work to try to improve their economic standing. And the word has gotten out that the only way to do it is through this asylum law. They all know it. That's why if you ever turn on Fox News, you see these long lines. They're waiting to present themselves however they came in. And a lot of them are coming through holes and fences and coming through Eagle Pass and coming over the water and all these different types of things. And when they arrive and they're interdicted, and they say to the, the border officer, asylum, asylum, section 11, 1158, and they're handed a piece of paper. And you could say that that's a problem. I would agree with you. I will not disagree with you. Robert and Selfick, thank you so much for holding on. Hi, thanks, Anthony. I believe that Governor Abbott 
is correct. And the Texas legislature should pass the law which will make any foreign national here illegally in the U.S. a crime subject to arrest. In this case, in the state of Texas, which they would lawfully be able to do. But Texas would, would Texas, Texas would, would pass an immigration law. That's not an immigration law. Well, you said you said if they you you described their status as being here illegally. So, in order to ascertain that, they would have to have immigration laws. It's not an immigration law. It doesn't control them coming into the state. That's not an immigration law. Well, if you are going to stop someone from emigrating with an E to the United States, you need an immigration with an I law. This is this is not really that common. I appreciate it, Robert, but this is not that complicated. The Supreme Court heard the case and said, of course, you the the state the state can't do this. The federal government has to do it. And they and they told Abbott that he's got to get out of the way. Think about this for a minute. Let's just play this out a little bit. Abbott has immigration laws. Okay, can New York pass immigration laws? Can Michigan pass immigration laws? Can Arizona pass immigration laws? Of course not. It's just not practical. That's what that's where we have a federal a federal government and a state government. Can the state of 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 Arizona have its own mm, currency? Can it have its own? Interstate commerce laws. Of course not. We have a constitution. I thought Republicans, I, this, by the way, this is a station that, 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 that has a lot, had a lot of right wing or leaning people. I thought Republicans were constitutionalists. Who the heck thinks the supremacy clause is not in the constitution? It totally is. Let's go to Jason in New Jersey. Hey, Jason, thanks for calling. Yeah. Hi, Anthony. Look, the bottom line is this. If people want open borders, Vote for Biden. If you want to close border in a safe country, vote for Trump. The damage has been done. Anthony, it doesn't matter what the Constitution says or the law. You know, Joe Biden, he's an evil, ungodly person. Well, hold on, say Jason. And- Jason, Jason, do you, you mean that? It doesn't matter the Constitution or the law? Well, look at well, on the opposite. Look what Joe Biden has done. He I know, but Jason, opposite. before we talk about Joe Biden, you said it doesn't matter the immigrant uh, about the Constitution or the law. You don't mean that, do you? People are coming in illegally. Okay, they're violating the law. What by coming in illegally? If you are saying that they're coming in illegally, so they're violating the law. So you believe in following the laws, right? Anthony's being done the opposite since Joe Biden took office. Jason, do you believe that people should follow the law? Yes. Do you believe that people should follow the Constitution? Like my parents did? Yes, sir. So you believe that Governor Abbott should take out the, the barbed wire because the Supreme Court has ordered him to, right? No. He's That's the law. The barbed wire. That's the law. You just said you believe in the law. That's the law of the land. You can't just do whatever you want. And so the Supreme Court... Using our Constitution says you can't do it. So which side are you on? Are you on the law side or the lawbreaker side? Joe Biden is not protecting the country. Hold on a second. Let's stick with stick with Governor Abbott for a second. He's now breaking the law. So he's got to take away the barbed wire because the Supreme Court interpreted the Constitution. So which side are you on? Anthony, the Supreme Court... 
they're not good fellows either. So. <laughs> okay, so you don't believe in the Supreme Court. Okay, fine. No. So you no. don't believe in the laws of the land. No. Okay, there you go. Well, I appreciate Jason at least being honest about it. Let's go to Trisha in Connecticut. Hey, Trisha, thank you for holding on. Uh, Mr. Weiner, I'm not going to listen to you again because you give me a headache. But oh, I'm sorry about that. About um, you mislead people and talk over filibuster those who bring op- opposing facts, such and you use the typical leftist Alinskyite tactic as you when you called DeSantis saying he signed a, a don't he said don't say gay bill. It wasn't that. What he signed prevents kindergarten through third grade children, little children being taught about sexual orientation or gender identity in Florida schools. And I say that those young children, it's not appropriate for them to be taught anything about sex acts or gender identity or that's up to the parents. Can I ask you a question, Trisha? Said, don't say gay. Trisha, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What if a third grader, when having a conversation about their family, asked the teacher, well, teacher, I hear, we're talking about our families. Well, I have two fathers. Is the teacher allowed to respond to that student and explain to the rest of the class what that means? Nope. Well, you, nope. You'd have to ask the Florida. No, no, I don't have to ask people. anyone. Trisha, you called me up to tell me what the law said, and I just explained to you the problem with the law. And I also explained to you, I think, why Ron DeSantis got got almost fewer votes than I got because he's trying to divide people and trying to victimize people and trying to treat people like they're less than because they might be different from you and me. That's not America. You think that's America, Trisha? As to do. Anthony, it has to do with parental rights. P- parents don't want their young children being taught in by teachers or outside authorities about sexual things in it, their, these young grades. I know, but Tricia, can I ask you a question? You live in Florida, right? No, I don't. I, oh, I so in, in that case, can I ask you a question? Why are you telling Florida... What they should do. Why is Ron DeSantis in the Capitol telling a local school district teacher what they should teach? You know who should do that? The local school board, the local parents, the individual family. If you really believe in smaller government, why is that knucklehead Ron DeSantis traveling around saying he's going to do for the country what he did for Texas, uh, for Florida? These governors, these governors in state capitals should butt out of our families' lives. Rental rights. And about the immigration issue, Governor Abbott is trying to protect the citizens from an invasion by drug dealers and people overwhelming uh, in New York, even overwhelming the system. And there are people trading slaves, sexual slaves and labor slaves. Trisha, Trisha, I understand. I understand all the rhetoric around the problem of immigration. I get the rhetoric around it. All we're talking about is whether we're a country of laws or not. And we are a country of laws. Some laws are enforced by the state. Some laws are enforced by the federal government. Just because you don't like the way the federal government is doing something doesn't give you the right to go out and get a gun and start shooting at people, right? 
It doesn't. That's not the way it works. Governor of Texas has certain things under his control as the governor of Texas. The, the federal government has things under their control. The federal government is trying right now to solve this problem. And Donald Trump is calling around people saying, don't solve the problem because I want to have a campaign issue. That's the thing that should be outraging you, Tricia. Biden created this problem. How, How did he create this problem? Because he invited an invasion into our country. Let me ask you, Mr. Weiner, does our country have the capacity to financially support all of the people in the world who want to come to this country for more opportunity? We just lost, by the way, not only do we have the capability to do it. Let me answer your question. You've answered an excellent question. By the way, you can call me Anthony. You not only do we have the ability to do it. Every generation, our country has grown by leaps and bounds because we have done it. We lost 350,000 people during COVID here in New York. There are jobs that are going wanting in, in Texas, jobs that are going wanting throughout the country. Our economy would be nothing without immigration, nothing. So the only question is, is how we do it in a legal, lawful structure that allows us to benefit from it. For example... If you told these migrants that if you want to come here and work for a couple of months picking strawberries and then you can go home, they would choose that long before they're sleeping in a cot on on Floyd Bennett Field. Immigration benefits us as a country immeasurably. Are there short-term costs? Maybe. But generation after generation after generation, the answer to Trisha's question is, heck yeah, we can absorb immigrants. Heck yeah. You know how I know? Because we have done it as a country generation after generation after generation, and we become a stronger country generation after generation after generation. And we'll be right back. change reaching across the aisle to work with both sides before all this happened anthony weird he was fantastic that guy could have been the president this is the middle with anthony weiner but weiner may be my greatest challenge yet he has gone toe to toe with many pundits before me on wabc Can't see nothing coming up behind Make my way through this darkness I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me Lost track of how far I've gone How far I've gone, how high I've climbed On my back's a 60-pound stone On my shoulder, half mile line That's the great Bruce Springsteen with The Rising. That's one of those great campaign rally songs. You won't see it used by any Republicans because Bruce doesn't. He's a Democrat, I'm pretty sure. Um, So a couple little updates on the news. 
I mentioned at the top of the show that Jordan was filling in and helping out with a higher level hockey team. They lost five to one. Super proud of him though. Because taking on tougher competition is the only way you get better. And, um, so he was playing against the big boys. Not the big boys are the same age and a lot of the kids are not, are also, you know, they're 12 year olds, but, but it's a higher level game. And they lost, so congratulations to the team they were playing. And I, if I had them, I would, I would write down what it is. Uh, so let's do a few more calls. We're doing immigration. It always gets people all fight. I mean, ugh. look, I don't, I think the immigration system is a mess. And I think one of the great challenges in Congress and for the president is how you fix the immigration system because every generation does the same line. Oh, when I came in, it was different or the guy comes through the, the turnstiles at, at Ellis Island and then says to the guy behind him, get out of my country. When in fact, for generations and generations and generations, we were trying to fill up our country with immigrants. It was very easy to get in. There were very few obstacles to getting in. You've got that classic scene in like the beginning of, I want to say Godfather 2 of like, might have been Godfather, you know, the, you know, where they basically were marking people with chalk on their cheek, whether they were healthy or not, and then sending them, even if you're a kid, you got to come right in. We're not that country anymore now. So many people want to come here. We do need an organist and the system should be things that we need for our economy, jobs that we need to fill. We should try to reunite families. That was a big problem for the Irish for, for a generation of laws that, you know, that people were, were divided. We should be a country that is compassionate and all these different things. I get it. I mean, there are a lot of things to balance and there's a lot of politics on it. But all of the things that you hear on the radio nowadays about immigration are the same exact things I've heard over and over again in my years in public life. It's always the same stuff. We can't afford it. Why don't they do it like us? They're all drug dealers. They're all, they don't speak our language. It's all this stuff. They're taking advantage of us. I live in a city that would not be what it is today if it were not for immigration. In the 1970s and 80s in our city, when they were saying the, 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 Bronx is burning. What saved us? Immigration, largely Dominican, a Dominican immigration. What saved us after that? Asian immigration, Haitian immigration. I mean, just it's that's what we are as a country. I've seen our city. And why is New York City the greatest city on earth? Why is it the center of so much economic activity? Why does it keep bouncing back each time, bouncing back, bouncing back, bouncing back? It's because immigrants want to come here to look for their opportunity. And I'm glad that they do. Now, does that mean that we leave the laws broken? Of course not. It means that you get adults in Washington, D.C. to put on their big boy pants and to make compromise. You either are willing to compromise or you're not willing to compromise. If you're not willing to compromise, then get out of the way for the people who are. That's what lawmaking is. That's what our country is all about. And immigration requires that. And I just think we have to face the facts that what's going on right now is outrageous. And I don't mean what's going on at the southern border. I mean that a candidate for president is telling the members of his party, don't help to solve a national security problem. Don't help to stop to, to, to deal with this crisis because we want to harm the person in the White House. Can we get past that? If you want to run for president, Donald Trump, run for president. But get out of the way of the adults trying to solve these problems. 
It's going to take compromise. But do you think it didn't every other time we've we've amended our immigration laws? Do you think it didn't take compromise then? Labor unions standing against it because they were concerned about the farm worker statute, the business. What happened to the Republican Party? The Republican Party used to be the party that said, you know what? We need smart immigration here to keep our economy humming. Where are those people nowadays? Because the minute anyone tries to do anything, the the easiest demagoguing to do is the Ted Cruz's of the world. So, oh, it's asylum. It's I mean, it's um, it's uh, it's uh. Not asylum. Granting them um, – what's the word I'm looking for? When you when you, when you you wave people in anyway, whatever it is. We're not granting them anything. We're going to put them at the end of the line. They're going to make them pay a fine or they're not going to be able to come in or they're going to have to check in another country. you got to fix the laws. Amnesty. Not amnesty. But I will say this. I am still confident that there is a center of gravity in Washington that when we meet again next week or that 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 this deal will be done and that enough Democrats will bail out the Republicans once again and do the lawmaking we need to do to fund the desperately needed things we need in Ukraine, to fund the aid for Israel, to fix our immigration laws. Because that's what we need people in Washington to do, the job we sent them there to do. There's a time for politics, and believe me, I get it. It's, it's all year round recently. But there's also a time to pass laws and to fix our nation's problems. And everyone will benefit. The Republicans – by the way, do you want to be a Republican this year to go home to your district in a tough year like this and say, I stood in the way of fixing our immigration laws? Nope. Coming up next, Left versus Right with John Katsimatidis and me, Anthony Weiner. Left versus Right, the rumble in the concrete jumble or something. So great to have you along. I'm so grateful for all of you. Hug the ones you love. God bless the United States of America. Protect our troops. And keep in mind the remembrance of the Holocaust on this day.